Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbonnell.com. Great grace, peace and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. Uh, this I think is the sixth installment in the subsection on grace we're dealing with now, which I've called impartations of grace through various means and we were dealing in recent times through impartation through nearness. Everyone say nearness. Impartation through nearness. And near who? Well, it's dwelling near the spiritual leader that God has sovereignly placed in your life to communicate the word of God to you. Right? Impartations of grace happen, can happen directly from Christ himself to you. And they can also happen through the medium of an apostolic fathering principle that he has placed over your life. So Paul would say to the Ephesian believers in Ephesians 3 verse 2, Undoubtedly you have heard of the grace of God given to me for, for you. Given to me for you. Uh, in Galatians 2, 8 and 9, when Peter, James and John met Paul and Barnabas, uh, the Bible says they seemed to be pillars. They were the three inner circle, remember? They seemed to be pillars. And when they did what? When they perceived the grace of God given to me, they gave unto Barnabas and I the right hands of fellowship because they uh, wanted to partner and partake in the quantum and quality of grace vested within Paul as a human being. But not so much as a human that grace is vested in the office to which he was called. For him it was apostleship, but it was an apostolic fathering role that he would then play over much of the New Testament church. So that which is vested in him would be imparted to, to others. Specifically, whenever you went to certain cities like Ephesus, uh, Corinth, Thessalonica, Philippi, etc., he would encourage like-minded sons who displayed a particular level of maturity like Timothy and Titus. He took Timothy and he put him at Ephesus after spending anywhere from two to three years at Ephesus. On his departure, he put Timothy as a delegated apostle over elders. Everyone say elders. elders. Ephesian elders. You'll read this in Genesis in Acts 19.20. In the Ephesian elders where... Um, he, he, would, he had for three years imparted what he called the whole council. Everyone say the whole council. Right? He said, for by the space of three years I've shunned but to declare nothing to you but the whole council of God for three years, meeting every day. And he would pour his, his life and ministry and word and grace into these. And he would say, I would leave. But on leaving, he put Timothy as a delegated representative of himself to resource those elders. Those elders were in charge of households of faith. And this pattern I have demonstrated to you when we did the grace teachings. It is, it is, it is a wash throughout the scriptures, right? You will see it play itself out throughout the scriptures. Moses, an apostolic leader, leads Israel following the cloud by day and the pillar by, or fire by night. The dew was found, or rather the manna was found under the dew. Only heads of households woke up every morning to collect the dew, remember? So the heads of households would collect as much as his household required. So the head of the household will be a type of an elder spiritual leader collecting dew, representative of grace, under the leadership of Moses as an apostolic type. Okay? So that principle could be when he, when he fed the 5,000. Remember, he took bread, representative of grace, and did he himself, did he himself give the bread to the 5,000? No, he gave it to an apostolic principle. Right? Those apostles represent apostolic fathering graces, and they in turn went to who? Not everybody, they went to who? Men. Not everybody, the heads of the households, and those in turn would feed their, their flock. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem, how did he ride? On a donkey? No, a donkey and its coat. What's that? Father and? Son, 
He wrote into Jerusalem. There's a clue for how Christ comes into a city. Christ comes into a city based on the principle of father and son. But before he jumped onto the father donkey and the son donkey, what did the apostles do? They took off their coats and they put their coats on father donkey and on son donkey. So father and son must be clothed over with apostolic mantles, with apostolic anointing, with apostolic grace. Christ would sit on that. So the grace of Christ flows in and through an apostolic principle directed to fathers who direct their sons and grace fills the house. I don't have time. I labored this extensively in one of the grace CDs there. I took my time painstakingly looking at model after model throughout the scriptures You can see this pattern. And then people tell me, I don't need a man. I can get it all by myself. You know, I love, who listened to John Alley? The the CD I gave out last week for free. If you didn't get it last week, I have a spare. You'll get it on your exit. Okay? Does everybody need a father? And he said it like this. It's not obligatory. It's not mandatory. Nowhere is it commanded in Scripture. But if you discern the pattern of the New Testament and the Old Testament, you will see the pattern emerge. It is not something we set forth as a commandment to follow, to follow, but we set it forth as a pattern in Scripture which, if entered into, into, will make you all the more richer. Will make you all the more richer. Amen? Remember you spoke about the overflowing cup, right? You'll come to a place of, of overflow, Okay? So Timothy needs Paul, Elisha needs Elijah, Moses needs Joshua, uh, Esther needs Mordecai, Ruth needs Naomi, John Mark needs Peter, right? The, the man at, the, at the, 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 the pool that was stirred, the pool of, what's it called? Bethesda. Remember he said, uh, I can't come in, I try to come in, they all rush in and they get in before me, remember? But what is the first thing that came out of his mouth? He said, I don't have a man. I don't have someone that can facilitate my breakthrough. Now, please remember this. Please listen to me very carefully. We don't deify men, nor do we worship them. We're not worshiping people. Listen to me carefully. I want to say this so you all understand this. We are not speaking about men in this fashion as mediators. We are not mediators. The Bible says there's only one mediator. Who is he? I like the man. You say the man. The man Christ Jesus. Amen? The man Christ Jesus. This, I'm not talking about a mediatorial role as much as I'm referencing a representative role. We're not mediators, but representatives of the the Heavenly Father. Okay? So when we come under the covering or grace configuration of one in whom Christ has vested grace, let's say in this congregation, I'm the leader of this congregation. For many of you, I'm your Father in Christ. He is your Heavenly Father. He's all of our Heavenly Father. But God has put men to father the souls of people to maturity. Okay? To father the souls of people to maturity. I don't father you. No man can father another man. Not so? What fathers you? The Word of God fathers you. Right? And I, I won't have time to illustrate this from the Bible. But the word of God in me fathers you. If I say, I cover you in the spirit, I don't cover you. The word of God in me spoken to you, if you obey it, come under its covering, you find immunity. You find immunity. Never ever take these principles I'm teaching. I know some guys have taken these principles and have used it for their own selfish agendas. And they put themselves up to such a degree where nothing can happen in your life without me. You know, and that is diabolical, it's unbiblical, it's demonic. It's from the pit of hell. Amen? It's from the pit of hell. All we are saying to you is discern the pattern in the Bible. Discern the pattern in the Scripture, the entirety of the Scripture. And see that God has given to us clues that are designed to make us all the more richer. All the more richer. And I don't want to repeat what we did over the past few weeks about environmental grace or if you come under an overarching, predominant grace uh, configuration, your standing and state changes, possibilities that
that you have suddenly accentuate simply because of, your, of, of how you relate to people. Then I said to you, everyone say nearness. Mark 3, 13, Jesus ordained the 12 to be near him. They had to be near him for grace impartation to be accentuated. Then we looked at Acts 4.13. They saw the boldness of Peter and they recognized that they were unlearned and ignorant men, but they had been with, with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. So who you hang out with will suddenly change the possibilities attendant with you. Right? Show me a man, they say, or rather, yeah. Show me a man's friends and I'll tell you about the man, they say. Not so? So who you hang out with radically affects you. So I, I said to you in reference to that scripture, spend time with Jesus personally in terms of your private devotion. With your heavenly Father through the power of the Holy Spirit, keep your personal devotion very, very strong. It's going to radically alter your, how, you, how you live in life and the degree of success you will have. But also... Stay close to the person that God has put in your life as a leader, right? Now, if you're going to stay close to me as your leader, let me ask you, what must you stay close to? Everyone say the word, right? Remember Romans 10, 8, the word is what? The word is? Everyone say near you. Come on, say the word is near you. The word is near you even in your mouth, right? When we speak about nearness to a man or nearness to a uh, the resource or the spiritual leader to whom you relate. Again, I want to emphasize, because these tapes are going global, if someone's listening to this, this is not to prop up any human. There's only one person that gets the glory, it's Christ. It's Jesus in the midst of us, the Heavenly Father, and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? He deserves all the praise, the honor, and the glory. In His wisdom, He has chosen humans to rep, not to mediate on His behalf, but to represent him before men. Not so. So Ananias and Sapphira lie about, remember they sold the property? Remember the story? They sold the property and they made as if the offering they brought to Peter was the entire proceeds of the sale. And what did Peter say to Ananias? Why has Satan, why has Satan filled your heart to lie against the Holy Ghost? Peter's standing there. But he's, Peter's very clear with them. Peter's saying, you are lying to me, but you are not lying to me. You are lying to the, to the Holy Ghost, right? In standing before them, Peter's saying, in my standing, I am fully representing the Lord God Almighty. Let me just give you a few more examples of this, if I can find it um, in my notes quickly. Uh, just for the sake of... Of, of many would be listening to this, okay? Jesus said, if you receive me, rather if you receive the one I send, you have received me. Not so? So please, I'm going to go to this very quickly. Watch. The Father sends Jesus. Jesus sends the apostles. When they go, who goes? Literally the Father is going. Because Jesus said, whoever I send, receives me and the one that sent me. So if the Father sends Jesus, Jesus sends men. When men go representative of the one who sent them, the one who sends and stands before men doesn't stand in his own identity or his own personality. He stands representatively on behalf of God himself. It's not a man standing before me. They stand in representation of the one who sent them. That's why Paul would consistently say to the, to the Thessalonians, When I came to you, you did not receive my word as a word of man, but for what it truly is, the word of God. Amen? So you, you must train yourself. Who's talking to you right now? Ask your neighbor who's talking to you right now. Now answer them. Answer them. <laughs> you should know the answer, right? You should know the answer. It's not Randolph talking to you. It's God talking to you through a man. It's the voice of the divine in the voice of men. I call it the voice in the voice. The voice in the voice principle. Quickly. I really want to get to something I want to challenge you about. But just to lay a foundation quickly. 
Um, the church is a family. Everyone say the church is a family. And every family is headed by a, a father. Okay? So the fathering headship principle is a representative principle of God the Father. Paul said in Ephesians, I'll just forget the verse, I think it's 314 or somewhere there. He says, for this reason, watch, watch me, for this reason I, I bow my knee to who? Before the? Oh, yes, it's here. For this reason I bow my knees before the? What, what father is referenced here? Heavenly Father, right? And the next verse, it says, from whom every what? Where? Where are families? Every family in heaven and on earth derives its. What does the word name suggest to you? Nature. So the nature of a family is configured by who? Everyone say father, right? So are, are there families in heaven? Are there families on earth? What determines the character of anything on earth? What and which place? Heaven. Heaven determines earth. Let your will be done on earth as it's done in heaven. Do you know there's only one family really, but they're in two locations? Yeah? <laughs> so as he's the head of the families in heaven and on earth, heaven is the unseen spiritual realm, invisible. You can't touch it, you can't feel it. But when you come to earth, it's visible, it's seen. There's a physical world of matter, time, and space. Anything invisible, when it comes into the visible, must visibilize itself in what we call a corporeal principle. Remember I explained this to you, right? The, 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 the unseen God wants to become real in a physical world of, of time, space, and matter. In fact, this was the very reason why he made man. The invisible wanted to visibilize itself. If in the Godhead there is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the nature of God the Father particularly as head of deity, wants to infuse and condition every family uh, representation in the earth. If then the church is a family, that family has got to be headed by a, a father. But that headship of the father over the family of God is not for personal ambition, is not for domination, it's not for control, it's not for manipulation. It's for, that's why how I treat you, how we treat you, Renee and I, I always strive. We always strive. We talk about this regularly, right? We remind ourselves in all of our engagements with every person in this church. If we call you, if we WhatsApp you, if we counsel you, even if we correct you and rebuke you, we have to present to you the face of your heavenly Father. Yeah? It's representative of everything He would do, okay? And so we function representatively. Quickly, again, um, throughout the scripture, this principle is, is demonstrated. Remember Samuel was so uh, perplexed that the Lord has reject, uh, was rejected by Israel. Remember? When they requested a king, like all the other heathen nations. Israel never had a monarchy. They looked at the other nations and they wanted to copy them. Then the nation came to the prophet and says, uh, Select a king fast like everybody else. Right? Samuel comes to the Lord and, he, and he's, he's, he's terribly distressed. And he cries, they've rejected me. They've rejected me. God reminded him, no, just one moment, bro. I think you got things all wrong. They haven't rejected you. They've rejected? What's the principle? In rejecting you, they reject me because you stand repre representative of everything I'm doing in the, in the nation. You'll see exactly the same thing happened to Moses. Remember when Israel complained against Moses? Moses said to the Lord, Lord, I cry, you know, having a cry, a cry session in the corner. These people of yours, you know, they're moaning, they're complaining. I call them stubborn, rebellious. They always are in their heart. They're always going away. Uh, and they complain against me, against Aaron, against leadership. God says, no, you got it all wrong. They're not complaining against you. They're complaining against me. It's a, everyone say the power of representation. I'm, I'm stressing the point because if you don't get the revelation, there's impartations of grace that miss you because if you view the man as the man and not what he represents, 
you can never have the grace attendant with the representation because your view is totally the man. Yeah? Is the man only. Okay? I think I shared this with you, but just for the sake of the new people, uh, Genesis, I don't know where is it now, where Jacob calls his sons, Genesis 49 verse 1 and 2. Jacob summoned his sons and said, Assemble yourselves that I might tell you what will befall you in the days to come. Who's calling his sons? Talk to me, church. Who's calling the sons? The father. Who's the father? What's, what's he identified as? Jacob. What does the word Jacob mean? Supplanter, deceiver. When, when the Bible references him as Jacob, the Bible is highlighting his fallen nature, his carnal side. Right? Um, that side of him that was distasteful, the earth side of him. He's Jacob. By the way, this is Genesis 49, right? The guy's going to die at the end of the chapter. He's aged, he's old. His last spiritual assignment is to prophesy over all of his sons as he calls them, calls them to his bed. He summons them. He calls them strongly, come to me. Assemble yourselves and I will tell you what befalls you in the, in the days to come. Verse 2. Gather together and hear, O sons of Jacob. But who must you listen to? Who's Israel? Same man. Remember his name was changed from Jacob to Israel. When Jacob speaks, it's not Jacob speaking. It's the Israel in Jacob speaking that the sons must listen to. Right? If you are focused on the Jacobness of a man, you might miss the Israel when he speaks. If you're too focused on his humanity, oh, we know Randolph, he's from Wenties down the road, colored brew. You know, study the word, started this church, we're going there for a quick piece. If that's your view, but when you come, you must say, no, no, no. He got freckles and frikies. He got shortcomings and drawbacks in his character. There's Jacobness in him, but when that guy stands in his office and he speaks, he doesn't speak as the Jacob of God, he speaks as the Israel of God. And you've got to discern. Otherwise, I can speak a valid word, but you're holding my Jacob against me. Right? Right? Let me just say the spiritual fathers aren't perfect. We're striving for, for perfection. You know, my desire is, I say to God, Lord, I might not be perfect, complete. In Christ, yes, I know we are complete in Him and all the verses, positional, we have this reality. I'm working on some issues. We are both working on some issues. We're not all there, but we're striving. I said, but at least give me a pure heart. At least I want to maintain purity in my heart. Amen? So, so the representation, if you don't view it correctly, there are certain impartations of grace will not come to you because of how you view the person speaking and how you are encoding that word. Amen? How you are encoding that word. The Macedonian church gave themselves to the Lord and to Paul. Remember? Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you what? Come on. The, the grace of God which was given to the churches at Macedonia. Verse 2. That in great ordeal and affliction, the abundance of joy and their deep poverty overwhelmed in the wealth of their liberality. This church knew how to give generously from deep poverty. You know, there's poverty and there's deep poverty, right? There's poverty and there's deep poverty. You know, when you are so poor that even the poor people feel sorry for you, you know? It's like deep poverty, but this church, deep poverty, but they knew how to give generously. Why? Because of grace. Let me say, he starts, you know the grace of God given to this group of churches. You know, whenever you have grace, you will know how to give generously, Right? And then he says this in verse 3 and 4 quickly. I testify according to the ability, beyond the ability, they gave of their own accord. Begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support for the saints. There was a relief offering gathered, sent to the hands of Paul, right? And this church participated in that, in that, that, that which was received. Not only, and this, not as we had, Expected, but watch. They first gave themselves to who? Now, a lot of, and then to who? To the Lord and to us. Now, a lot of people take their pens or tippics and they want to tippics this part out of the Bible. To us. 
They gave themselves to the Lord. And they gave no problems giving your heart to the Lord. We'll sing it. We'll participate. But biblically, Paul says, the Macedonian church, grace. Everyone say grace. He starts off by referencing great grace on a people. And part of the clue, part of the key, he says, he says, wow, these people know how to give themselves to the Lord and to the representation of the Lord, us, by the will of God. Right? People think I'm, I'm sacrilegious when I say I am given to my spiritual father. I have a scripture to prove it. Hmm? I am given to the Lord and I'm given to the representation of the Lord in my life. So when he speaks, I don't view it as him. I view it as the, as the Lord speaking in and through a man. Amen. Look at 1 Thessalonians 1, 6 to 8. Quickly, then I'll, I'll go on to where I really want to go. Time is against me, as usual, and Marion's on my number here. Okay. Watch 1 Thessalonians, what did I say? Chapter 1, verse 6. You also became imitators of? What? You know, these verses are not there for nothing. You became imitators of us and the Lord. Right? You became imitators of us and the Lord, having received the word with much tribulation and joy in the Holy Spirit. If leaders were not necessary in the body of Christ, God would have made a leaderless body. Right? That's why the judgment on leaders is so severe when we deliberately misrepresent the Lord. Remember what Moses did? God said, speak to the rock. The second time? First time he struck the rock and water flowed, remember? Then God said to him the second time now, speak. But well, what did he do? He took the rock and he, let me ask you a question, those of you who know your Bibles. Why did Moses hit the rock when he should have spoken? What, what was the surrounding circumstances? The, the people, the complaints of the, it got to him. I mean, you know, if anybody I want to really shake my hands to when we get to, to gather with all the saints, I want to see Moses. Where is Mo? <laughs> I want to meet this guy that led first 600,000 people. A few million eventually, right? I think a man of great grace, eh? the meekest man in the earth. But he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Right? Wow, I really want to shake. And obviously things got to him. He says, stubborn, rebellious people. And he says, you testing God. And this is right at the end of the process. Instead of speaking to the rock, out of frustration with people, the leader hits the rock Water flowed. Did water flow? Are the people blessed? Did the people go home rejoicing? Are the people around their supper, their dinner tables that often say, well, Moses is a very good leader. See, he gives us water in the wilderness. Nochal. Right? But after the people go home, what does God say to Moses? In my language, Hozalah. Right? Come, come one side. Let's you and I have. You know, God said to him, read the King James Version. God said to him, you broke faith. With me. You misrepresented me, what you said, before the people. But the people are unaware, watch, people are unaware of the misrepresentation because all the people know is need met, need met, water, we are thirsty, need met. From God's perspective, God says there's a higher order for leaders, there's different requirements for you. That's why, as a leader, you can never be a people pleaser. If you're leading and you're into people pleasing, you might please the people but misrepresent God. Right? This is happening all over the world. And by God's grace, we are striving to represent Him. Right? You mean when Joshua and Moses came down the mount after spending uh, the initial 40 day fast there when he received the law? Remember, there was debauchery in the camp, the golden calf was built, there were sexual orgies sexual perversion throughout the whole camp and before they saw that joshua's view was there's the sound of rejoicing or what he said and war in the camp it's good sound moses says it's not the same sound it's not that sound right moses was training an emerging leader to accurately discern the state of people that's why proverbs 27 i share this with you proverbs 27 23 a lovely verse the Lord's just been highlighting to me recently. Be diligent or know well 
to know the condition of your, of your flocks. This is for leaders. King James says, be diligent to know the state of your flocks and pay attention to your herds or, or care for them. Amen. Care for them. Remember Paul said to the Corinthians, I won't go to all the verses because of time. Paul said to the Corinthians, follow me as I follow Christ. Not so? Here's the principle, brethren, I want to encourage you. When you follow this principle, you only follow your leader to the degree that he's following Christ. Follow me as I. Everyone say as I. It's as I follow Christ to that degree, publicly, are you required to follow your to follow your leader, okay? To that degree, are you required to follow your leader? The Hebrew believers were encouraged to obey their leaders. Hebrews 13 verse 7 and Hebrews 13 verse 17. Everyone say 13, 7. Say 13, 17. Right? I'm a teacher. I'd like to give you ways to remember things. Right? 13, 7, 13, 17. Two powerful verses. Remember those who led you, who spoke the, the word of God to you, and here's the deal, considering the what? The result of their conduct, imitate their faith. According to this verse, let me ask you the question, when biblically are you required to imitate the faith of your leader? When? When? Come on, talk to me. When? When? After doing what? After considering the outcomes or the fruit of their life. You follow. So when I teach you something, yes, you hear the word, but you, you, you will follow that word if you see that word lived out in my life. Not so? Right? So I can't encourage you to forgive if you see Randolph Harbour's uh, offenses and grudges against people, and he's always talking negatively about people. And I come on a Sunday morning and I say, but forgive freely, bless those that... But so you're not doing it. Right? Consider the result of their faith, and so you imitate them. How do people lead? Remember those who? How do I lead you? Come on. I lead you. Remember those who led you by doing what? Speaking word to you. Right? Speaking word to you. Years ago I said, you're not leading if you're not feeding. Period. If you're not imparting word, you're not leading. I lead you by giving you the word. You come under that word and you find protection, right? Oh, by the way, the, the Greek word for obey is hupa akuyo. Akuyo means to hear or listen. Hupa means come under, right? like hupastasis, um, etc. So if, if, if I say to Bradley, obey, the Greek word is hupa akuyo. It means you're going to hear something. And you're going to bring your life under the sound of what you heard. If that sound resonates in your spirit, guess what? With your life, when you walk out those doors, what are you going to do? You're going to obey that word. So what covered you? Did Randolph cover you? No. Please, don't leave this building saying, Randolph is too heavy now because he's dead. No, it's not me. I am just a, 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 a vessel. I am just a conduit. When you go out there, it's the Word of God that keeps you. Your immunity, your covering is uh, the Word of God. But God simply uses a man to, to speak. So watch, when I speak back here, when I speak to you the Word of God, what am I doing? I'm leading you by my speaking forth the Word, the principles of God's Word to you. Your response is, let me check this out first. Be like a good Berean. The, the Bible says the good, the, the Bereans, you'll find this in Acts 17. The, Berea, the Jews at Berea were more noble-minded than the Jews at Thessalonica in that they received the word. Everyone say receive the word. The Bible says they received the word with readiness of mind. Right? Come on, is your mind ready? Right? So you come here, not with judgment, not with criticism. You come, there's a degree of preparedness and readiness to Receive, but you know what the Bible also says? They received the word with readiness of mind, and they went home to inspect or check whether the things that Paul said were so. That's personal responsibility. Right? I want to encourage you. 
you don't develop a judgmental, critical attitude, but you don't be loosely gullible. Yeah? If, you, if you adopt a gullibility, anything that says I'm going to believe, now you, the fine line here, you must trade very, very cautiously. You don't adopt a judgmental spirit. You must have readiness of mind, receive the things said, process them, right? Process them. Be convinced of them. I love what's, you know, I was, I was, I was, I was uh, listening to the two tracks on the Passover series yesterday that I encourage you to listen to the one. I think the Passover series on the table is the most misunderstood series. It's the least selling but the most powerful series on the table. I'll tell you that. So we should have it cleared by this day. <laughs> People look at the term Passover and they think Passover. Right? There's three, there's about 18 sessions of teachings I did. Remember, that's the Passover series deals with principles of migration. Israel left Egypt and they went into prophetic fulfillment in the land of Canaan. And the whole series, don't be put off by the title. That series deals with very complex and varied principles that are designed to kick you forth and usher you into from where you are to where you should be. Right? And I listened to Grace, Multiplication and Increase, the track four, I think, and the one I encouraged you to listen was Resurrective Acts of, of Power. No? Resurrective Acts of, of Power. And I said something there that I remember Sam Solon said. Sam said this, there's a difference between believing and being persuaded. There's a difference between believing and being persuaded. Uh, belief will lead you to persuasion. But belief on its own doesn't guarantee that you'll be fully persuaded. You, uh, the best way to receive grace is simply believe. Right? Grace is free. Uh, but you must believe. Say, just believe. Right? Did, did, did Abraham believe God? The Bible says he believed God. But he didn't stop. It says he became fully persuaded that what God said he's able to, to perform. Amen. So when you hear the word of the Lord for the first time, I want to encourage you, ruminate, cogitate, uh, mull it over, meditate, revolve and reflect it over and over in your mind. Listen to it consistently until your belief becomes full persuasion. When you're fully persuaded, you then cannot be dissuaded from that position. The one who believes sometimes can vacillate between states of belief and unbelief. But a man that is fully persuaded is undissuadable. He becomes convinced about the reality or the truth of a thing and nothing can move him. You talk to Abraham and say, but you are Bali. No kids for you, no children. Look at your age. Check your wife out. She's past it. He said, no, fully persuaded, bro. Nothing will, not even natural things will convince me or dissuade me from the truth of what God has said. So you must become fully persuaded of truth. Become fully persuaded of the truth. And I could go on. There are other examples here about Gideon. If you're taking notes, just reference these. Judges 7, verse 14. His friend replied, this is nothing less than the sword of Gideon, the man of Israel, right? Remember this? This is nothing less than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, the man of, of Israel. Remember when uh, they were about to attack the, what's it, Midianites here, is it? And uh, one of the Midianite soldiers had a dream. This is Israel against the Midianites. The enemy, the Midianite enemy, one of the guys there, had a dream of a huge barley loaf rolling into the Midianite camp and destroying everything. They got up and fortunately, somebody there had the gift of interpretation. <laughs> Although they were heathens. And they say, hey, this, this thing that we saw, this loaf, bread, which is, First uh, uh, Corinthians says we are one body, we are one bread. The loaf speaks of oneness, unity, people working together. So the enemy said, you saw this dream, a loaf destroying the midnight camp. The interpretation is, this is nothing less than the... This is the sword of Gideon, the man of Israel. But how is it described later? Verse 17 and 18. 
What did Gideon say to all his men? Remember there were 32,000 and he whittled them down to how many? Everyone say 300. What's the biblical interpretation of the number 300? Oneness. Everyone say oneness. Oneness, one love. All these symbols, uh, they, they work together, right? Oneness. He said, remember they were about to break pictures and the light, etc. You know the story. Sunday school days. Come on, guys. Remember. Huh? And the Bible says, he said to his men, look at me and do likewise. Did they need a standard? Did they need a template? Did they need a leader? Did they need someone to lead the way? They did. He said, look at me and do likewise. Behold, when I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. Right? Do as I do. There's a lovely scripture in Malachi which says, the breaker, which is a leader, will go before the... Somebody find that verse for me quickly. It's Malachi 3 somewhere. The breaker will go before them and they will break out the Lord being at the head. Look at verse 20. And when I and all who are with me blow the trumpet, then you shall blow the trumpets all around. And you will say what? What must the people say? For the Lord and for Gideon. What is Gideon representative of? The Lord. The people knew the principle. The Lord's going to work through us with Gideon as our leader. And then look at verse 20. When three companies blew the trumpets and blew pitchers, and they held torches and left their hands and trumpets in their right hands for blowing, and they cried the sword for the Lord and for Gideon. The sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Now, how much time do we have? Go to 2 Kings chapter 6. This is where I should have started. <laughs> right? Can I have just 10 minutes? Right? Quickly, I'm going to leave this with you. Micah 2.13, check this out. Hey, by the way, we, we start. the breaker goes up before them. Now, when the breaker goes up, what happens to them? They break out. But who must go before them? The breaker goes, they break out. Right? Uh, I, I believe this. Every breakthrough of your leader becomes your breakthrough too. As I break, so do you. Amen. The breaker goes up before them. They break out and they pass through the gate. They go out by it. So their king, which is their leader, their king goes before them. And then the, the Lord is leading this entire thing. The Lord is at the head. Right? The Lord is at the, at the head. 2 Kings chapter 6, quickly. I'll just, I'm gonna, I won't go through the whole portion because of time. Just verse 1. Uh, because there's a specific emphasis. The sons of the prophet said to Elisha, Behold now, the place before you where we are is too limited for us. Everyone say, dwell near your leader. Again, I want to I remind you, dwelling near me is dwelling near the word of God. That's all it is. It's dwelling near the word of God. That's the source of your grace, the source of your provision, the source of your nourishment, the means for your protection is the word of God. It's not a man. We just function representatively. Now, remember Jesus said he chose 12 to be with him or near him. What did Joseph say to his brothers in Genesis? We did this last week. What is the name of the land that he chose for them? The best land in Egypt was Goshen. Goshen means approaching or drawing near. And Joseph said to them, you will stay near me. As long as you are near me, you will have protection and uh, uh, provision, etc. Now, Eli is Elisha a spiritual father, yes or no? What was the predominant grace upon Elijah? What was the predominant anointing? Fathering. How do I know that? Malachi uh, 4 verse 5 and 6 says, I will, in the last days or something like that, I will, I will, turn the, I will send the spirit of Elijah back. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their sons and sons to their fathers. The predominant grace anointing on Elijah wasn't so much the miraculous as much as it was a fathering anointing to turn the hearts of the nation back to Father God and the hearts of the ten tribes of Israel that were north back to Judah and Benjamin. If you study Elijah, I don't have time to explain this. And Judah would be a fathering grace 
and he would bring the ten tribes under the leadership of, ben, of Judah and, and Benjamin. He was connecting the, the, the children, the father to the kids, and the kids to their, their, their fathers. All I want you to remember, everyone say Elijah is a fathering anointing. Right? Question, does Elisha have a fathering anointing? Elisha is the son, right? Does, does, does twice that everything rested on Elijah is twice on Elisha? Yes. So can we conclude Elisha has double anointing for fathering? Yes. Yes, possible to, con to conclude that. You know how I know? All of the prophets under Elijah, it just says, and the group of prophets, or the company of prophets under Samuel, for the first time, the descriptor sons of prophets are used under Elisha. Sons of, so he was a father too, to prophets. Not so. How many prophets were there when Elisha, Elijah was taken away and the double portion went to Elijah? How many guys were there? Fifty sons of the prophets. But in 2 Kings 4, how many sons of the prophets were under Elisha in the room? When the man from Baal Shalisha came with the first fruits in a time of famine to offer to his father. How many? There was 100. Exactly doubled. Right? So the fathering capacity doubles. I speak prophetically to this house. Listen to me, guys. Listen to me. Can you see the increase numerically even here? Come on, say yes. It's true, right? But you know, we're not seeking growth for its own sake. We are seeking the development of sons. God's going to give us key sons to impact the world. Many of you are seated here. You're going to impact jurisdictions like you never know. You see, I don't want to steal your thunder. I will mold you and shape you into what God has called you to be. I'll stand behind you, push it, guide it, whatever. But you're going to do the work. You're going to, you're going to become all God has been will cause you to be in your sphere. But know this, you'll be covered in the Lord. There'll be grace, impartation, direction, flow, etc. And I perceive that there's a doubling of sonship in the house. Doubling of sonship. So, watch. So, these guys, a hundred of them or more, are with Elisha. Obviously, the room has become too small. They say, the sons of the prophet said to Elisha, Behold, the place before you where we are living is too limited for us. The King James, the new King James, Behold now the place before you where we dwell with you is too small for us. The NLT, I like this, watch it says, As you can see, this place where we meet is too small. The Message Bible says it beautifully. One day a guild of prophets came to Elisha and said, you can see that this place where we are living under your leadership is getting too cramped. We don't even have elbow room. <laughs> you see, check these guys, right? Now, although theirs was a physical problem, they want more room, right? But I see it spiritually. They are saying, we dwell with you. Everyone say, we dwell with you. They are saying, we are near you. We know we are plugged in. We're going to get something. But they are saying, increase the space where this transaction happens. It's more than physicality. They are saying, increase the flow, increase the rates, increase the download. Can you hear what the Lord is saying? Right? They are saying, we want, we, we want to increase, and let me just say this, the greatest increase that you can have in this respect is an enlarged heart. Yeah? Where does the increase happen? In your heart. Remember the teaching I did on an open heart for grace flow? It's on the CD there. Right? Watch these two scriptures quickly. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11 and 12. Our mouth has spoken to you freely, O Corinthians. Our heart is opened wide. You are not restrained by us, but you are restrained in your own affections. Paul is saying our heart is open. Our heart, mouth has spoken freely you are not restricted in our affections you are restricted in your your own bowels you're closing up and then he says this in verse chapter 7 the next chapter he follows through second corinthians chapter 7 let's read verse 1 and 2 just to get the context therefore having these uh, promises beloved let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement and uh, of the flesh and spirit perfecting holiness in the 
fear of God. Verse 2, then he says, make room for us where? Does he say make room for the Lord? Come on, who's he talking about? He's talking about himself. He's referencing, if you know the Corinthian context, Timothy, I think, and Silas. He says, make room for us. The Macedonian church gave themselves to the Lord and to Paul and his associates. The Thessalonians were imitators of the Lord and of Paul. Yeah, he says to the guys, make room for us where? He says, we, look at our track record. We, we, didn't, we didn't wrong anybody. We corrupted no one. We took advantage of, of no one. So based on our credibility with you, at least have an open heart. Right? The place where we dwell with you must be a heart position, but it must be enlarged. Amen? For maximum grace transfer to take place, it has to be enlarged. Okay? It has to be enlarged. I won't have time to really get to some of the other issues. I'll talk more about the rest of this Second Kings chapter 6 from verse 2 onwards next week. Got to come next week. It's after ALS, right? I'm driving back. Some of you are staying in Joburg. I understand that. You want a holiday. It's a long weekend next week. Monday's off, right? Next week. Some of the guys will be staying. Well, that's fine. Those of us that are, are back, please come back. I'll continue this. And I'll, dem- I'll show you from using Second Kings chapter 6. I will demonstrate to you the process for enlargement. Take every verse and make a spiritual application of how exactly did the sons of the prophets initialize a process of an increased place or sphere of dwelling so that increased grace reception could take place. When you come under this grace, the Shunammite receives a son under Elisha. A dead son becomes raised to life again. The widow whose husband died was in debt and the creditors came to take her son. Second Kings chapter 4. And Elisha's auspices, she is prevented from debt and from financial bondage. Second Kings 4 also, the man from Baal Shalisha gave first fruits. They were eating a pot of stew. It was poisoned because someone took some herbs from the field and put it in there, not knowing that it's poisoned. To arrest the poison, Elisha simply threw some meal. Took some meal, threw it in the pot. The Bible says the harm in the pot was stayed. Under grace, you get preserved. Under grace, you you find immunity. Not so. You find immunity. But you know, Gehazi said in the, the next chapter or so, Naaman is healed of his leprosy by Elisha. Gehazi misrepresents his father in the Lord. Right? This is not a season for misrepresentation. There are consequences. Don't even misrepresent facts. You know, we get, we get nice ways of lying today. Eh? Call it white lies. Why would you describe this? People say, oh, it wasn't a lie. It was a misrepresentation. What a big word for the same thing. You know? <laughs> misrepresentation. Right? No, you told lies, right? Don't lie. And uh, I want to encourage you. I'll talk more about that next week. All I want to stress today is when you come under grace impartation in a house of grace. I'll talk about Elon Bethanan next week. It's a lovely concept. It's it's when you come under grace led by an accurate man of God. Relates to an apostolic spiritual father. That house can become so grace pregnant. That when you come into that environment, every deficiency within your life will be fixed. Healings will take place. Amen? The grace of God will flow effortlessly. Christ will get the glory. Amen? Christ will be magnified in the midst of us. Amen. You receive the word today.